Funny how it seems Always in time But never in line for dreams Head over heels Went toe to toe This is the sound of my soul This is the sound I wanna take it to the world But now I've come back again
Hello, hello, hello. Hi there. This is Vicky Astor, your radio DJ from Singapore. I am podcasting to you from Singapore live to Indo-Pacific every Monday to Wednesday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Singapore time, which is Monday to Wednesday, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. America Eastern Standard Time. And here you are with me, Vicky Astor, your radio DJ, and it is it is. Getting brighter each evening as we get into the mid of uh, the year, and it's um, the eighth of June today, twenty twenty one, and it's seven zero seven p.m. right here in Singapore, a beautiful city, island state, and you know, ladies and gentlemen, we always forget to give thanks to what we already have. I mean, things could be so much. Yes, things could be so much better, but things could be so much worse. And、uh, we are talking about we are in the middle of a pandemic、um, in the world, and、um, of course, a lot of、um, countries are already opening up,、um, like in the U.S.、Um, and in certain countries, smaller countries where vaccinations has already been underway, and almost seventy seven percent of the、uh, people, the population, has already vaccinated. That's when the country opens up, but. Here right now in Singapore, we're still facing、um, the midst of a pandemic, which is a surprising situation because we were looking at a very good zero case situation even like a month or so ago. So you know we and and life could always turn、um, for for something unexpected. So our lives right now,、um, we'll have to say that you know with 2020 in hindsight. Um, I can I can safely conclude that our lives are in the hands of God,、um, and, and definitely my hand, my life is in the hands of、uh, my God, and um, and、uh, I always want to pray for everyone,、um, Singapore, all the nations to restore normalcy and safety for for everyone, so that we all can get up and have a life again. For 2020,、um, just want to talk about my. YouTube international YouTube channel talk about life and my podcast talk about life. I did a program on the global pandemic where I interviewed over thirty、uh, episodes、uh, of people all over the world in Europe,、um, U- uh, UK, France, uh, Sweden, and uh, in Africa, Nigeria, in Asia, Singapore, Australia. Hong Kong, South Korea, and、uh, in the America,、uh, in North America, in Mexico, Brazil,、um, and the list goes on. So I hope you can、uh, go back to reflect on 2020. What are the lessons we've learned? What are the、um, reflections, lessons? What are the learning points? What are the things that we think? We have to do, but we have not done. What are the good things? What are the regrets? And what are the gratitude? So I hope that this time, even though some of these countries are opening up, and some of countries like in Singapore, we're still in like a semi-lockdown situation. I hope that we all can go back and reflect upon our lives, our priorities, and all the aspects that life constitutes. So、uh, I just want to wish you all the best, all the safety and protection during these 
very very strange times of humanity and we really do not know when normalcy is going to come but i pray so hard that normalcy will come very soon because we do need to get um get out again we do need to have a career a job and people do need to go out and hustle people do need to build a life a family meet people like um you know just meeting people i mean singles need to meet other singles um you know what uh, if you know what i mean singles need to meet singles to build relationships again so i i don't know how things will go if we are in constant lockdown every other month and if we do have to work with the virus every other month where every other month we when the gear kicks in uh, we have to get a lockdown again so i pray in my heart and i pray every day to my god jesus christ that god will have mercy on us and that god will really really restore safety and normalcy to all of us and you know that god is much bigger than the virus so he knows the situation we presented to him but i think there's a lot of conditions that come with it um for us for the city to be safe again. So, I hope that uh, ladies and gentlemen stick with me today throughout the show because I've got an exciting exciting caller guest calling in today at 8 p.m. in Singapore time and that's Mr. Sido from Makan Sutra. He is the world renowned food critic. and the food street food advocate so i just want to thank um mr sido for coming on to the show a little bit later on and um miguel my uh special guest for the segment expresso time is going to darling at 7:30 thank you ladies and gentlemen for tuning in and being my friend here you can always write to me at talkaboutlife777 at gmail.com Talk about live seven 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 at Gmail. Talk talk about live and write to me. Tell me you want to be part of the program, or you want to just dial in, call in, um, leave a message with me at the email, um, and also tell me what kind of topics and what kind of songs you love. So that's for you. Talk about live seven 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 at Gmail dot com. And what do we have right here? Um, it is seven thirteen p.m. Singapore time, a beautiful evening as the sun gets to set a little bit later each day because we're getting to the middle of the year. But you know, Singapore is summer all year round. We don't have winter. This is a tropical island, so pretty much we have got like ninety percent the same season except for monsoon、um, at the end of the year, like December times. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you stick with me and I'll come and visit Singapore. Bring your bags of US dollars or euros to come and spend and help the small SMEs and the mom and pop stores. They need tourists and they need you. But let's pray for safety and pray for protection for all of us. So, ladies and gentlemen, I wanna thank you here once again. Stay with me while we listen to the next song. And what would you like for your song?
Development. This is Vicky Astro. I am calling you, broadcasting to you live from Singapore to Indo Pacific every Monday to Wednesday. And I've got a very important caller later on, Mr. Cito, Mr. Mr. K. F. Cito, the world-renowned food critic, food appreciation, and food advocate for Singapore, on the ranks of Anthony Bourdain and Martha Stewart. And, and he's going to talk about the Singapore hawker, hawker food. And the Singapore hawker food, uh, loosely translated, is the Singapore street food. And I'm talking about an article here to set the context of the Singapore street food or the Singapore hawker food to our listeners who are um, listening in from Russia, Ukraine, Europe. Um, in this part of the world, in Asia, ASEAN, Indo-Pacific, Malaysia, and also Mexico, where Miguel is located, where he's going to call in during his special segment, and America. So I'm just going to pull out this article to explain to everyone what's happening with the Singapore street food. So Singapore actually has its street food successfully being placed instead of on the streets like like many um. Uh, Asian cities. Um, it is um, located in centers called called a uh, hawker food court, whereby small stores are actually located side by side, and they share a big, huge restaurant place with shared tables and chairs, and people can actually just come in to get the food from each of these competing stores. And the food is actually um, affordable at an affordable price. Because it's supposed to be like a family, a home cooked price, whereby it's the range between uh, plus and minus five dollars Singapore dollars. And I'm going to read to you this article about the Singapore food culture, uh, specifically on Singapore hawker culture being inscribed on the UNESCO cultural heritage list. Here it says in Straits Times on the 17th of December 2020. Getting Singapore's hawker culture on the UNESCO cultural heritage list was a national feat. It was overdue and well deserved, said Singaporeans. The Straits Times spoke to on Thursday, a day after the nomination was accepted by the World Body's Intergovernmental Committee. Singaporeans spoke about hawker centres' unique atmosphere and food diversity, which many have spent their daily lives enjoying. I have spent almost every day in my last ten years eating at hawker centres. Um, said Miss Kelly, who is in her fifties, the former uh, the former IT worker recites off the top of her head the stalls she loves at the food centre: the chicken rice stall in the corner, the fried chicken in the middle, front row, and all her years of eating at hawker centres have given her an, an exquisite palate. Her claim is not unusual in Singapore, which prides itself on its reputation as a foodie nation. The culture, the hawker culture inscription, is Singapore's first on the list. So, and also it says, Mr. Jeffrey Chua, a 60-year-old Grab driver, said food at hawker centres tastes better than what is served at other food and beverage outlets. Hawkers cook it themselves and prepare the ingredients themselves, unlike what is cooked at central kitchens and distributed elsewhere. And Miss Teo, forty-four years old, said Hawker Centre's uniqueness lies in the ambiance, with no fine, fine dining restrictions. You can sweat, order a beer, and people here are easygoing. So, therefore, ladies and gentlemen,、um, this is 
the Hawker Centre culture in Singapore. And we're going to hear a little bit later on Miguel calling in from Mexico City. to 10 p.m. Singapore time or every 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. America Eastern Standard Time and we've got different guests calling in for different times of the day and different times of the segment um, and today I've got Miguel Rudy calling in from Mexico City and yesterday you heard him and myself we talked about um, family situation, family feud and also a little bit about his podcast so I'm just going to call him right now and, um, he, and, and there um, he is, uh, where Miguel is, is actually very, very, very early. Um, you know, this is such a wonderful time that where we use the technology and we can talk to each other via the technology um, and uh, be connected, especially in these times where uh, we are, some of us are in lockdown. The only way to reach out to your family um, would really be would really be um, over the Skype or over uh, a phone call, a text message. So, have you spoken to any of your loved ones? Um, someone who's not staying with you, tell them how much you miss them, you love them, and pray for them to be safe and well and protected, and be positive and hopeful for the day and for the rest of the week. I, I think that's so important during these times. So ladies and gentlemen, um, today we have a very important caller calling in Mr. K.F. Cedar, um, the world-renowned um, food critic and food advocate. He's going to talk about the UNESCO inscription uh, for the Singapore hawker food and he's going to explain the significance of that to the little sinners and the viewers. Why do I find it hard to write the 
Hello there, is there Miguel calling in from Mexico City? How are you? Miguel, thank you so much for being with us. It's such a wonderful time. I know right there, ladies and listeners, ladies and gentlemen, um, you are tuning in to Love Cafe Radio at IOW Network and my very special segment, Expresso Time with Rudy Miguel at Mexico City. And Miguel is actually now um, 6.28 a.m. There you are, right? Yes, we're here, we're here, ready to roll. Yeah, and you know, the earth is actually rotating. I'm just right in front of you, like 13 hours. <laughs> ah, well, that's not a big difference. That's okay. I mean, it's, it's nothing, it's like half a day. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I know, like, if I get ahead of you, what does it mean? If I get ahead of you 13 hours each day and in 10 days and in like uh, 100 days I don't know how many years I'm much more ahead of you or how many years I am ahead of you and I don't know do I die before you because I get ahead of you every day 13 hours uh, <laughs> oh, well, relax it's just it's just 13 hours it's not like we have a difference of 50 years or something <laughs> yeah I know, but that's that. What's make maybe you guys younger every day, right? Because you're always fifteen hours behind us. It makes you fifteen hours younger each day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Now, yesterday we talked about your yeah. Yesterday, yesterday we talked about your podcast halfway, and you know we had to go because um, it's time for you to go. But you know, I, I would like to talk more about our podcast, your podcast. Um, Pam L uh, podcast which is all about anime and we wanted to talk a little bit about anime and you know I have um, uh, I, when I was young I have a passion for I, I, would, I wouldn't call anime um, I would call it cartoon because I would borrow um, the books the cartoon books um, yeah and then um, you know read them usually they are those like love Boring love stories. <laughs> um, yeah, boring love stories whereby it's clean, it is a sanitary, uh, no vulgarity, no violence, um, no fighting. It's just the girl dr- daydreaming, right? <laughs> I mean, those are the Japanese um, girl <laughs> comics. <laughs> tell us, tell us. Yeah, it's just that I have seen that there. There is just a big, 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 uh, how can I say this? Um, a big range of types or styles. or Yeah, different styles. Yeah, yeah. and also the styles of drawing, the styles mm. of, uh, of stories, you know. It, there's just uh, for everybody. Yeah. From, from the ones that you said, of girls daydreaming that they cannot be rated <laughs> are rated R normal there for the entire family yes you also rated R anime and manga that's manga <laughs> yeah I mean you're right it has different kind of genre different category um, for different uh, age range and and um, uh, and this is like the evergreens I mean Singapore is still like stuck in those good old day good old times where 
um, things are really clean. Um, and, and we still love this, um, I'm not sure the names of it, but usually they are the Japanese cartoons and they are like so cute. Um, yeah, I, I remember that there are so many, there, there are so many uh, Japanese cartoons that um, like, they are like the evergreens. People would go back to them uh, to read. They are the cutie, cutie ones. Um, but but I do know that your anime is more like the American style uh, Comic Con type of uh, anime, right? Would you would you like to tell us what's your favorite top three? Oh, that is a very good question because uh, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of everything. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of series uh, series of anime that I can say that. Where uh, I don't know, they just solidified my taste for anime when I was younger. Uh, yeah, let me let me think about it. Yeah, I mean, I do Not see enough. your podcast. You've got like, uh-huh. um, you've got Spider Man, you've got Batman there, and then yeah. I'm really talk. This is more like the DC um, kind of. Uh, animation, right? Um, the American um, cartoon comic con. But is there any movies that stuck in your mind that you really, really like in this kind of genre? Well, actually, we did a we did a special of two episodes. Uh, yep. The last episode of that came out last Friday, mm. and um, we were talking about this home video movies, animated movies based on some franchise, well, franchises of comic books, and also based on some 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 stories in particular, you know, yeah. that are different, and they're aside, they're just put aside, they're, it's just like a, imagine it's just a novel based on a character, yep. the stories around it are just amazing, <clears throat> the one that actually comes to my head is, for example, The Killing Joke, which is a story where the Joker kills one of the one of Robin's yeah. persons from speaking. Yeah, I think you like or, The Joker a lot, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, Why? Because I do see that, like, the poster um, in your home that is, like, pasted at the back of the wall. Yeah, it's just that there's something very particular about this character, you know, because yeah. even though the idea of creating chaos is just, you know, yeah. really rude this person. I mean, it's just a it's just a way to say that the the psychological construction of the Joker and other Batman villains is different from the rest. Oh, you know, okay. It, 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 yeah, it's just, let's put it this way. Since Batman is the is the only DC superhero that has no superpowers at all, uh-huh. he relies entirely on gadgets, on devices, and his, uh, his brains, yeah. and his intelligence. Yeah. Well, it's pretty almost, it's almost the same situation where the bad guys are the villains. I mean, yeah. Maybe two or three have a different ability or a different biological construction, like for wow. example, Bane or Poison Ivy. 
because for example the joker is just a really 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 crazy dude yeah and you so, like that so is harley queen <laughs> for example the yeah double face the guy with a lot of scars on his face yes the, the penguin is just a small guy yeah small bad guy that makes yeah. you makes you think he's a he's a, a real penguin cat woman is a a, a girl with fantastic acrobatic skills but that's it yeah <coughs> I, I did I, yeah I I I kind I don't think I can relate to it because I know about the Joker um, uh, I know about the character of the Joker but I'm more like the genre of the Japanese cutie cutie stuff I, I just wanted to like rattle off a few names to you what is like a rave in Singapore the all-time Hello Kitty <laughs> Well, is Hello Kitty considered an anime? But it is a cartoon, right? Well, it is an. It's more like an image. I mean, an it's, image. It's not really. It's not really considered an anime because they never made a story around her. Oh, it's just okay. A, it's just a, a, you know, it's just an image for, for merchandise. Okay, know? it is <laughs> a, like a cartoon. Yeah, but like a series or a TV show like manga or something really there's not anything okay about yeah it. but you know that yeah but you know the Japanese build this cult following around cute um, characters and you know in Singapore Hello Kitty has always been the rage for all time even now like if McDonald's they want to have and this happening in Singapore intermittently if McDonald's want to have like a successful promotion, it will try to promote an, a Hello Kitty toy to go with the meal. And then you will see like hun tens of hundreds of people queuing, out, queuing outside McDonald's just to buy the meal to get that toy. You know how crazy can that be? And, it's, and for so many years, it still happens. <laughs> That, does well, it sound crazy to uh, you? No, no. Actually, I think it's more like a marketing phenomenon. I mean, yeah, they know how to sell things. The people of McDonald's, especially the people of marketing, they know they, they know their job. Yeah. yeah, because they understand that they have to sell. Yeah. Period. And the thing is that whenever it's Hello Kitty, people do queue for the toy. Uh, even no matter how small it is, and um, and and I and also the yeah, and and I want to rattle off a, a few cute, very highly successful cartoons in Singapore. I wonder if they are popular there in Mexico City. And tell me your opinion and your crit your critique ab about it. The Pikachu, right? Um, uh, Pikachu is legend here. Is it considered like um, anime or what? What is it considered? <laughs> nah, let me. Let, let, yeah, of course. Let me explain that. Yeah. Technically speaking, Pikachu is just one Pokemon. Pokemon is a yeah Pokemon. Is a yeah. We cannot say that it's just an anime or manga or yeah video games because it's more like a video game. The character itself was created to to be part of a video game. Yeah. You know the Pokemon series? 
No, I, I didn't know there was a game. I just knew that there were so many toys that everyone was just buying off the shelf. <laughs> well, uh, how can I put this? But I do know the Pokemon um, online that people do play the game, the, the virtual reality now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it I mean, doesn't look like it because, you know, it's like the, the peak of, his, uh, of the fame or yeah. popularity of the Pokemon Go yeah. app. Yeah. Not exactly on the best, but and, and with the, the pandemic didn't help for any matter. <laughs> okay, what uh, about this other character? The Doraemon. Doraemon. Do you know right, the Doraemon? That's Dor a different story. No, why? Tell me about this Doraemon. Everyone loves him. I mean, even when I was young. And, and it's still so popular. It's like a culture. It's almost like a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about, what's your take on Doraemon? Well, Do Doraemon is actually a, a character um, made, you know, to be family friendly. Yeah. The, all, all the stories, the series, manga, and everything related to Doraemon. It's about uh, this this creature that comes from yeah. another state, another time, yeah. for a reason. But he, uh, he decides to stay here on, on Earth yeah. because he finds friends. Yes. He finds like um, another point of view that probably he never he never expected. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, it was something different for him, you know. Yeah, and and you are like the scientists of these cartoon characters right you know them you know the shows i i can't believe it <laughs> i just think there's a lot of them because life that's it have you done um these japanese yeah. cartoons on on your podcast i've talked about it yes of course actually oh. on the month of april yeah we made a series of episodes precisely based on anime. Yeah. Because, okay, I like comic books. American yeah. comic books, you know? Yeah. Or the American style. Yeah. I definitely do. But it doesn't mean that it's the only thing that I like. Yeah. For example, you would be very surprised to hear one of my biggest passions yeah. is American football. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. Um, I used to play American football when I was younger. Yeah. I made it to college. Yeah. Wow. And um, anime and comic books were just, just like another passion that I had. Yeah. I really enjoyed reading yeah. when I didn't have to play or practice or to go to school. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just a guy that liked those things. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably yeah. liked them too much. <laughs> no, I, I used to like them too. And, um, I like, you know, I like the feminine part of, of the cartoon. And, uh, oh, yes, and one more character, the Mario, right? The Japanese Mario. The game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the Japanese are able to churn out such cute, like, innocent characters. Um, that like they're family friendly, family oriented, like so non-threatening, right? Like, the, but the American well, genre is more like the violent ones for the men. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. No. I would say that there are stories for everybody. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
that depends a lot of the, on the writers, but it happens both in Japan and in the United States yeah. and other places that create content. For example, um, there are a bunch of British writers, comic book writers, that they've just mastered the genre of, uh, uh, of thrillers, but master it, you know? And, uh, and also, like, psychological terror. Yeah. They, they, psychological they terror. They did such a great job about it. <laughs> There's also anime, other, other works that they even make you question your fate in society. I never say that. I mean, they are so rough, tough, like violent and physical. And sometimes the, the psychology of the yeah. characters is just so fascinating. The way yeah. they build the character. Wow. It's just, but it, but it, it's not only to write yeah. some story, just how it goes, yeah. and make drawings just because yeah. you know how to draw. Yeah. It's, everything has to be related, you know? Yeah. If you're going to make an yeah. image, it has to be justified. It has to be justified on the story. And if, if you can see if, if that thing is well made or not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I do yeah, understand it's almost like building upon a great movie, right? You've got layers upon yeah, of layers of character. I should say characteristics of a character. Layers and layers mm-hmm. of, um, like you peel off almost like an onion. So you're, you're really saying that the developer of a particular character, um, his, it's a kind of art for him to do so. Uh, am I right to say that? Like he's able to build... Um, layer upon layer of that that characterization. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not, yeah, and I think you're trying Definitely. to say that it's a, it's a different kind of genre from Shakespeare times, right? I mean, when I was younger, I did the Shakespeare for my A level exams. I I did um, the books of Shakespeare. We studied it. I memorized it. I could write the poetry. I have to take exams on it. And you peel off the character layer by layer, plot by plot. Uh, in the story character and now you've got the, the anime like what you say perhaps it's something it's something new for some people like myself or people who are not in it but it's almost like Shakespeare right the the writer um, the the Shakespeare answer to these these animation they are actually almost building like a Shakespearean character because you've got layers and layers of realistic characters that reveal themselves in situations. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. But that's because we understand that the characters are based on human feelings and human beings. Yes. You know? Yeah. Even though they have like this crazy superpowers or abilities, <laughs> or maybe they are based on, I don't know, different planets or yeah. other parts of reality or whatever yeah. you want. They are, they, they are still... Uh, you know, living creatures yeah. that have to evolve, they have to learn, that have to develop themselves yeah. according to the circumstances that they live in. Yeah. You know, the other day I was uh, making a comparison between um, what would it be? What would it be? What was that? I, uh, for example, Batman. Yeah. And and Goku. Okay. Because technically speaking, none of them grew up with their parents oh for wow. example Batman's parents were shot 
Wow. You know, well, you know, sorry, they were shot behind a, an alley outside of a theater. Of course, you were thinking, mm. what are these millionaires doing in an alley in the first place? Well, not the case. And suddenly, Bruce Wayne was orphaned. Wow. Goku, on the other hand, and Goku, on the other hand, is from a planet where this planet is about to explode. There's a lot of similarities with Superman. Yep. But yeah. he he ends up on Earth. Yep. And by a series of circumstances, he lives with a very old person, which he called his grandpa. Yep. And when wow. he passed away, before he was maybe eight or ten years old. Yep. Yeah, he was marked by the memory of his late grandfather. There's a bunch of things there, you know. Um, wow. How how is that possible that two orphans suddenly became like some sort of protectors of the world? Wow. So you does it reflect yourself too in some ways that made you draw towards these characters? Um, it's just like me when I was young. Um, it's, it's almost like, okay, you're drawn towards a particular Shakespearean character because of certain traits that you can relate to. Do you think that you have this superpower inclination that you want to save the world kind of um, dream, Miguel? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not right now because, well, I am a little older. Of yeah. course, when I was young, I yeah. wanted to be like another superhero that could save the world. Because yeah. you're a kid, you're playing, you're yeah. fantasizing. And wow. One of the beautiful things about it, they, they are also another way to make you say, okay, we can develop the imagination because these guys did it. Otherwise, how do you explain them to create everything that they create, you know? Yeah. A lot of creativity, a lot of, uh, a lot of things to... To just take take out, you know, the characters yeah. and the abilities and the background stories. I mean, there's a. Actually, I have to say that there is a. In my particular perspective, the creator of the manga in Japan, yeah. especially the that is made of battles yeah. that take place in other other planet. Yeah. For me, it's a bigger value because technically speaking, you have to create an entire universe around Yes. Yes. And on comic books, yeah. you based it on the thing that you already know. Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, dude, that, come on, man, that was so lame because everything happens in New York. <laughs> everything happens in New York. I never yeah. thought of that. Yeah, okay. I never followed that, but it's interesting. One more question to you, uh, Miguel. You actually podcast in your language, Mexican, right? Yes. So Spanish. You, you, Spanish. So you do Spanish. have the Spanish community following you. So when are you ever going to make like one or two episodes in English? Will you ever do That's that? That's a very good question. <laughs> You know, because to, it really to, sounds interesting. I have to think about it because no. we do it together. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But probably we, we throw a surprise or a couple of surprises and, you know, the second part of the year. We never know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like you're saying it from a literature point of view. Because you're coming in like a literature, like this is an art. 
this is literally this is like a literary work and you can actually uh, yeah, dissect it this yeah, so, way that way that yeah, way and i find it fascinating because you i've never seen it the way like you do because i've never followed comics like this because i told you i i i had the both those those comic books were the girls daydreaming about their the, the teacher about daydreaming about the boy sitting beside <laughs> okay <laughs> that's about it so you know but, but the way example for kids but well yeah, but the way you said it, like, it's almost like a literary work of art. So I thought it's fascinating, yeah, to hear it from you. Yeah, from my perspective, it's just like, for example, you read another book, except that this book has a lot of images Pictures, to, yeah. to create a story. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. And I don't think that... It, and there's a lot of people that say, dude, that is just lazy writing. And I say, okay, <laughs> yes, probably it's lazy writing. But try to connect try, the images with yeah, the dialogue. Yeah, try the image. The, it's a different story. You know, I, I love the part about the image, like you say, oh, that's lazy writing. But, you know, I love that because when I was young, I what I did was before I sleep, I would pick up my my favorite comic, like the cartoon, the, the, uh -huh. the Japanese uh, cartoon like um, these so-called love story cartoons and then yes. um, even when I was in the university I would read them because I was so stressed at work and I know that I will be able to enjoy myself just going into that world for half an hour and, and just to de-stress you know I, 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 I love that I was able to have to have that um, that half an hour yeah. before I sleep because I looked forward to it. It's like a girl going into a kind of daydream, like you you daydream about um, you have this character, like your favorite teacher, or the boy sitting beside you who walked past you. You know, it's it's always that. It's I mean, it's like a reflection of what you just say. It's like a mirror image. You have gone into the the world of the superpower. The, 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 cre yes, yeah, the creation that can save the world. So I do understand how it feels. Exactly. Yeah, for example, the, the part of you know, saving the world, probably it's just another way to look at it because um, sometimes the story is more about the development of the character. You know? Oh, okay. This character makes a decision to be like some sort of hero. Yeah. But it's not like he's forced technically speaking or obligated to do it yeah. I mean, it's a conscious it, it, it's a it, it's a conscious decision that he makes or she makes for example the only case that i would say okay this person was not even asked if he wanted to do it i would say it has to be wonder woman because she's straight she's straight okay she's, yeah she receives a massive training, you know? Oh, um, I, I didn't know that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, from the moment she could walk, mm -hmm. she started to train little yeah. by little. Yeah. And by by the time she was 10, yeah. she was able to compete with other Amazons and wow. other, other warriors. Yeah. Okay, now one yeah. question before you log off, because I'm taking up about almost 30 minutes, 27 minutes from you. What yeah, about uh, Bruce Lee? And you know Bruce Lee's son yeah. um, actually had a show called The Crow. Do you know the show The Crow? 
Yeah, I know about it. Yeah, and uh, you do know Bruce Lee, the yes, American Chinese who was the fighter, the street fighter, yes, and is a legend. Yeah, and his son Brandon Lee, when he was acting in the show The Crow, he got accidentally shot by the gun that kind of like um, so it's not supposed to be loaded, but it was. Um, yeah, do you, how much do you know about the show and how much do, do you know about like Bruce Lee? Is Bruce Lee considered well, a character, a legend in the... Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, in, for, for, in, the, in the first instance, it's, first of all, a legend in the martial arts genre. Yeah. Because the way he, he was so flashy, he was... He got this all the swagger and all the style, you know, and yeah. it's any other generic fighter that you can find in in, a, in different dojos or different schools or academies. Yeah. Yeah. He was he had something different, you know. Yeah. Especially because he has this American background on his blood. Yeah. He uh, he understand the concept of style and yes, being being appealing to the masses. Yeah, yeah. That character. Yeah. That's one of the things I, I like about it because one thing is the way he moves and the way he attracted people and another completely different is how he fights. Or at least he pretends to be fighting yeah, because yeah. he and everything is choreographed. So nobody gets hurt. But to be honest, yeah, I think that... Bruce Lee is a legend of martial arts. Yeah. Because he helped to bring in the martial arts for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? Um, I am going to leave you here um, okay. so that the listeners can continue this conversation with you through me. Such a fascinating world that I never knew existed this way. Because I studied all about Shakespeare. You know, I'm the... Um, how should I say? I, I don't know how you categorize me, but um, I think I was the nerd. <laughs> when I was Why in school, I was the nerd. Like when I was studying, I just studied and studied and I did nothing else and I never watched the movies. And uh, the only entertainment I've got is my just the Japanese love story um, comics that I kind of go to the shop and borrow. And when I saved enough of money, I was able to buy them. So um, yeah, that's, that's really an interesting conversation we've got because it kind of brings me back to those days. So thank you, Miguel. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. That was a good trip on memory lane, that's good. Thank you so much, Miguel. I'll talk to you. Right, tomorrow, um, ladies and gentlemen, Miguel is going to share with us his views on the anime and comic culture um, of the world that he is in. Thank you so much, Miguel, from Mexico City. Right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hello there. Hi, hi, Vicky. Hi, Cito. Thank you. Cito, I just want to tell um, uh, everyone, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, you are darling into Love Cafe a radio at IOW Network, broadcasting um, live from Singapore to Indo-Pacific every Monday to Wednesday and also to America. And you just 
listen to uh, Miguel Rudy, my co-host from Mexico City. And now we've got KF Cito right here with me in Singapore. How amazing. Cito, I've known you for the years. So I've known you, but you don't know me. <laughs> Cito, how are you? How are you in these times? Very, very tough times for, for Singaporeans right now. I think it's very, very tough times for the whole world. Not just uh, we all do what we can. Yeah, you know, um, I just want to you to know um, a little bit uh, prologue before uh, we go on to the interview proper with you. Um, before you came in, I read the article to the listeners um, who are tuning in uh, worldwide, um, and I've got listeners from Ukraine and Australia also about the Singapore food culture that was inscribed on UNESCO, and I read about it. It was uh, announced formally on the 17th of December, 2020. Um, but even before we go into that food culture thing and, and so much that I do on my radio show and my podcast and my YouTube is that I always say that we are in a very strange time in humanity, um, Ciro. Um, we are in a very, very strange time of humanity because the world is tight as one, our destiny is tight as one in this pandemic. So I just want to know, like, how is Singapore doing, uh, Ciro? Um, well, Singapore, um, as you know, we're doing quite okay. I mean, there are some um, slip-ups, some slips between the cracks, but on the biggest scheme of things, I dare say you should be very lucky if you're in Singapore. I mean, you'd be a uh, you know, citizen, a foreign national working here because uh, things are on track. Um, things happen um, when they put out um, programs and ideas to stem this, uh, this growth of COVID. Um, it kind of works. So we're, we're in good hands and we are all just looking forward to the day when uh, you know, borders begin to slowly open and end this whole pandemic. Yeah, and uh, this is yeah, my prayer for everyone. And you know, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, Ciro, um, like Mr. Cat Ciro, like I've told you um, before he come onto the show, he's a world-renowned food critic, food advocate, particularly for the main street people. I mean, it's almost like a social justice that you are doing, um, Ciro, and I want to salute to you as a fellow Singaporean for what you do, that you highlight the um, food that means so much to the main street people, the people behind the food, the uncles and the aunties who are trying to cook up uh, for us. Uh, to you know, it's such a big part of the Singaporean culture. This food, uh, hawker yeah, yeah, food, yeah. it's so much. I, uh, yeah. I don't wear. I don't wear a cake. If you're wondering. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, food culture is such a big part of our daily lives. Of course. Uh, it feeds rich Singaporeans. The only reasons why Singaporeans are so rich, rich because the food that they pay is so affordable. Yes. Bordering on cheap. If, uh, if you don't come out and support this food culture and keep it, um, alive and buzzing so we can get wow. extended UNESCO recognition on this this will die and no hawkers want to come on 
ball. And when that happens, the demand, I mean, the supply goes down. When the supply goes down, demand goes up. And when the demand goes up, the prices for every plate of chicken rice goes up. So you see the domino effect. So you don't want to protect uh, the culture, at least protect your wallet, you know? Yeah, and, and I like the way you said it um, because you said it, I think you hit the nail on the head that definitely food is so much of a part of a, of a community, the culture, what it's made of. I mean, it's just like how sushi is to the Japanese, how pasta is to um, the Italians, so how hawker food is to Singapore. So, you know, it is such a big deal because, um, you know, I have been in lockdown for, I mean, d during this time, but during these times in pandemic, most of us are trying to cook from the home. But you know, I start to really appreciate those aunties and uncles out there. I mean, they have like 20 years of, uh, 10 years, 20 years of cooking that dish and perfecting the dish with the ingredients, with that, that fire stove, with the dragon breath from the stove, you know, that we can't replicate in our kitchen. More like 40 and 50 years. 40 and 50, yeah. Our hawkers are very old already. They came on board to take over this craft. Every Singaporean wants to be a dot com or some kind of uh, online entrepreneur yeah. by himself. But uh, nobody wants to be a hawker if you want to eat. So earlier uh, yeah, you mentioned, you know, sushi, sashimi, ramen. Um, Japanese food and Italian pizza, pastas and you know antipastis. Yeah, you can only you can name so many icons from all these countries. But in, in Singapore, um, you know, you say hawker food. Uh, because there are so many icons out there you can't name one mm. that stand out, you know. You yeah. go to a hawker center you can easily identify 20 to 30 icons in one hawker center and there are hundreds of hawker centers all over the world. And now that, I cannot yeah. begin to yeah. tell you just how fascinating um, yeah, that's cultures, true. culture is. I've been around the world. Right? I've traveled around the globe quite extensively over the last, what, yeah. 40 years, 34 years. Uh, yeah. And I can tell you, every time, everywhere that I go to, I have to go down to the ground to eat what the yes. people eat so I can get a sense of their culinary The culture. real culture, so yes. Get, just to get a sense of their culture through food. Um, it's fantastic wherever I go, of course, but everywhere I go, I can't wait to come back. Wow, it's really wow. like what you say, going to the ground to taste that authenticity um, in the realness of the local community food. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis like going to a five-star hotel, the fine dining. But you know, it, it's just like what I love when I go to the streets uh, in, in, in ASEAN, uh, Malaysia, um, Thailand. You know, you go to the street. Um, and, and the thing about Singapore hawker culture, um, Ciro, we have um, seen and we have talked about what we have in Singapore is, is unique. Um, because we are successfully, we have successfully brought street food into the hawker center or in the Singapore food court that many countries are trying to uh, replicate now. They're trying to put like food under one roof. And that's what I found when I was in France because they tried to copy that Singapore style and they called it a Singapore, uh, the France answer to the Singapore food court. I was really surprised. 
No, no, there's no funds French answer to Singapore food. There's only Singapore <laughs> answer to Singapore food. Uh, you know, if uh, um, if uh, what I want to say is that uh, the Singapore culture, Singapore food culture, has gone from the street mm. to mainstream dining culture, all because of a simple, unrelated, almost accidental reason. Um, all these hawkers was brought off the streets almost more than half a century ago. Maybe in the 60s, 50s, they were systematically removed off the street and they were given stalls in this custom-made street hawker center. Mm. So they just replicated uh, their, what they needed on the street, a 10 by 10 uh, foot space mm. where they implemented drainage, water supply, electricity and uh, ventilation systems and people can hawk whatever they used to hawk in the street mm. in this hawker centre. So street mm. food is still alive wow. but it's not wow. on the street and um, hawkers don't just mean people that sell food. In back in the day people sold fresh produce fish and vegetables and meats on the street so they they went into the wet markets the wet markets are also places are also considered a hawker store and there's also people who sell things mm. uh, clothes and utility uh, yeah, the everyday things that you need to use in little uh, shops retail shops in the hawker center we forget that those are hawkers too. They came from the street. So much support everybody. And then the, it's such a brilliant culture. People can spend a whole day in a hawker center just wiling the hours yeah, away. That's true. You can do your work, have coffee, do whatever you want, buy whatever you want, and, 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 and you know, have, and meet your friends there. Yeah, and, and the thing about uh, you, Ciro, uh, you know, you're such an icon in Singapore. And also an icon on the map of the culinary um, map in the world, uh, with the ranks of uh, Anthony Bourdain, etc. I, I just want to ask you, where does your passion come from? How did it all start? Um, it all started. Uh, you know, I'm, I was a. I'm. I'm a, I'm a journalist. I'm a. I'm a photojournalist. I tell stories. So from. Um, telling things about Singapore life and people, I switched to telling lives about our Singapore through food. I, there's mm. so much I'm told your story. Wow. So I did what I did because uh, I love my country. I just want to tell stories in my country. Otherwise, we've got not much here to tell the whole world about. Yeah. Other than the man-made, man-made specularities. Uh, that yeah. you see all of Singapore, which is, yeah. you can find anywhere else in the world, but yeah. uh, this food culture, no. You can't yeah. find anywhere else in the world. We have no language, we have no dress, we have, we have, uh, we don't even have a music chart of our own, you know. So yeah. food is only what we got. Wow, I, and I, and wow. I say, uh, you said it so well, um, that hits the nail on the head, because you, we have peeled, if we peel away these, um, materialism that you talked about uh, and I'm saying in a good way outside of Singapore what we have in the authenticity of the core of our culture is really food and and you did say earlier that if you go to a food court there are hundreds of selection 
and uh, it's actually done by um, these hawker masters, masters chefs themselves, uh, the aunties and uncles who have been uh, laboriously doing their work, their, their craft throughout these years and perfecting in a very competitive environment. And they have to be really good because their competitor is just beside them. They have to be good. Yeah. 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 Tell, tell us about your top, I know it's going to be really hard, but what's your favorite picks? Like if you were to go out to buy something for your family, what's the top three picks for Singapore, uh, well, the Singapore food that the world should know? It depends which side of the bed I wake up on every morning. <laughs> and uh, I can say that because I can mean it. Mm-hmm. The range of food here, I can have supper for breakfast. I can have breakfast or supper. Range is <laughs> mind-boggling. So unless and until you come here and experience it, because a Singaporean try to take you around yeah. every 24 hours. If you don't do that, yeah, go ahead. You can say that what I'm saying right now is bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Ciro, I when I brought my European friend to some of these hawker centers, um, I think uh, my friend Natalie, she was a French um, lawyer, and uh, that was the first time she came to Singapore. She was so amazed that at the hawker center we can literally share a long table with the indians the muslims the malays the chinese and we all can like sit there and sometimes like you know just smile at each other and still have the same table um even with with strangers and and the thing is that i think people don't know that uh sido um when i was uh, uh studying in france um people couldn't share the same table even in a school if they look different yeah, or they, they sound different. Growing up, yeah. when I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, yeah. I never met racism. Yeah. I had uh, friends in school of all colors and, yeah. and names. Uh, yeah. And, and I never knew, I just knew it was something different. Yeah. There's nothing racist about them. People are different. Yeah. Um, but over the years, I don't know what happened in Singapore, you know, um, have you a very, very angsty about their own skin color, so it's yeah. happening, I don't know, maybe we have imported too many of racism into <laughs> Singapore and today is a different story, but yeah. if you go to a hawker center yes. and you watch how everybody sits around and yes. there oh. is no Indian, Malay, non exactly. no, there's no such food, there's just delicious food. Amazing. I mean, and, and yeah. coming through the eyes of a foreigner, um, she was really shocked that I could be sitting there and there were the shops just around. We could be like buying the Malay satay and then calling the Indian prata and the Chinese uh, chicken rice all on the same table and the next one just beside us. And they're ordering like the mutabat, you know, and, and then we could say like, hey, where, which store did you buy that from? <laughs> so it's the uh, center is the most unracial. Yep. The most democratic culture. Oh, I love that. And yeah. the other one is, the other thing that will shock your foreign friends is you can have a meal at a hawker center with drinks uh, for five bucks. Mm. Singapore, five bucks. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Our friends in Europe, I'm here, I hear uh, truck stops in, in Spain um, offer you 10 euros for a meal. Yeah. 10 euros, my God, you can have like a chicken rice feast for yeah. family, yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's how great. Um, well, like I said, if you don't come here and experience it, you will never know. You can will never believe. Um, you know what I'm saying, or what yeah. I'm practicing, or what I'm advocating. advocating. And it's a culture that can spread. One of my wishes is for um, hawkers here to be able to export themselves. Yes. Um, because um, I think hawker culture is dying in Singapore. You know, yes. for all that the government is doing, for all the people is supporting, it is it is not getting anywhere. People are just struggling, and a young breed of people are not coming on board to be hawkers. They mm. want to be bloggers, they want to be influencers, they want to be DJs like you. Mm. But uh, nobody's coming. So I hope to bring this culture overseas. Um, mm. If you notice, um, you don't find a lot of true one and dead Singapore hawkers overseas. Mm. Um, yeah. You get a little interpretation of this and that and uh, it's just to set and comment about. And I like Japanese Food, like mm. Italian food or burgers and pizzas, they export themselves mm. so well. Yeah. But not our chicken rice. Chicken rice is something anybody can eat and love so yeah. easily. Yeah. But we don't export it well, we should. Yeah. I, I, in that, in I, that I, sense, that uh, sense uh, the UNESCO inscription UNESCO comes into a, a very significant play, right? UNESCO hawker um, culture, the intangible UNESCO hawker yes. culture was something I, I raised at a government's um, focus group in 2018, early 2018. Mm. Um, so you so have a big part to play in it. What, what yeah. we should uh, nominate after getting an award for the Botanical Gardens, what's yeah. number two? So, so ideas about architecture and uh, Nonya history was brought up. Um, then I mentioned the hawker food culture. Yeah. And uh, for, for a while, people were wondering how could it happen. And mm. then I said, please um, call up the page where UNESCO um, you know, asked you to check out the, I think the 16 criteria mm. for being uh, nominated. They check out swimmingly in every column. Mm. And four months later, our Prime Minister nominated it for another UNESCO award. And we got it last wow. year. Yeah, um, thank yeah, you for summarizing uh, that, um, that uh, to all of us, the listeners, beautifully in, in that two sentences. Such a great pitch uh, and such a great contribution you did uh, to the hawker uh, culture here in Singapore. Um, uh, 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 Ciro, I just want to ask you, like, you know, so the UNESCO inscription for this intangible asset, will it help? in preserving and also making it like the premier destination um, that Singapore is with regards to the food culture? I think you're looking for street food culture yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's not risky. Eh? I mean, if you eat mm -hmm. street food out of a bush cart around the world by the streets, you don't mm. know where the came from, you don't know where the meat came from, you don't know yeah. if they duck their nose or if they didn't yeah. wash their hand after the meal, <laughs> they bothered to handle your food. Uh, if you like those kind of danger, yeah, go ahead. There are many countries that still do that. But <laughs> here, they are particularly strict. Yeah. on hygiene, even just selling food stores. Um, point in case, there's some very developed Western country, um, and I'm doing some projects there. When it comes to food handling and hygiene license, all they require for you is to open up a web page and answer 
you know, a multi, multiple choice questions to pass. And once you pass, yeah, that's it. You're a good handler. Mm. Uh, but in Singapore, no way, man. They want mm. you to show up mm. for full day food handling course. And they yeah. test you at the end of the day. They make mm. you transfer a piece of meat from a chopper, from, from, from the cutting table to the pan. Yeah. And they watch how you handle it. If you don't do mm. that, it's still simple as that. Yeah, and, and every yeah. three to five years, you have to upgrade and retest again for new measures, new practices. Yeah. Could you explain to our uh, international uh, listeners about this, um, like ABC grading that there is actually on the hawker food stores, and also this SG Clean mark? Um, so, it's all about hygiene. So, yeah. ABCDA is the highest level of hygiene, D is for, you know, um, the lowest ranking. Um, so yeah. the thing is that uh, during, so, so, so while, while, the, while the idea is good, but you know, if you show up, if the officers show up during lunch to mm-hmm. check on a hawker store when they are busy yeah. and, and, and things aren't cleaned up, that they are working on the go, they don't have too much time to clean on the fly, um, of course the ranking will be down, but yeah, but you know these people clean up their stalls, uh, you know, um, before and after opening. Um, they have certain standards, so people don't take that ranking seriously. People can see the store if they're clean or not, and by now people know um, what aspect of food handling. You wear your gloves, you know, uh, cooked food and, and raw food must be kept separately, yeah. um, different compartments in the fridge. Um, so by now. You wouldn't give much about A, B, C, D. Um, you know, basically A stands for atrocious. <laughs> so much time to clean your store. Your yeah. food shouldn't be that good because nobody is here to, uh, to buy your food. So, <laughs> like, is, uh, D yeah. stands for delicious. Uh, so, uh, Cido, yeah, Cido, for those uh, people who are tuning in, right, for my American listeners, Mexican listeners, who have never been to this part of the world, I always urge them to come to Singapore and bring their bags of US dollars and euros to spend here after the pandemic, after everything calms down. Because the SMEs need you, right? The mom and pop stores all need you. They all need that injection of confidence. They all need the extra dollar that nothing is too small to come to spend uh, to help everyone from the street. But I would like you to like rattle off some of these names of food that they should find in the hawker food. Uh, a hawker, hawker food or a food court what kind of names could they rattle out to say oh I'm going to go to this place to buy da, 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 da. What, what kind of names should they like have this memory recall there are too many to mention <laughs> could you mention like five and your, and your show is too short now. I would love for you to come back again because I've got listeners from Ukraine writing to do, me <laughs> what you can do is um, maybe you have a link to show your listeners on your website. Yeah. Uh, you go to Makan Sutra, that's yes. M-A-K-A-N-S-U-T-R-A dot com yep. slash ebook. You will get my latest food guide. Yeah. Um, almost 500 listings in there. And the best part is it's free. 
Wow. It's free. I kid you not. There are videos in there. Wow. We explain what every dish is, where yep. it came from. We review the stores. We tell you why each store is different. It's really mm. its accents. Yep. You will get a sense of what it is. And then I, I swear to you, it will make you want to catch your next flight to Singapore the minute you can. You know what I'm going to do? I am going, yeah, I definitely will put the link there and I'll be your first reader to, to download that. And I'm just thinking uh, while we're into that, such a deep discussion, why don't you come back and we have a mini series whereby you can rattle off your book, what you've written there. And also at the same time, uh, our national service to the country and to the aunties and uncles who are actually really trying to pull through in this middle of the pandemic uh, of mankind. Um, what about me coming back to you after the call? Uh, you mean what, after this call? Yeah, after this call, I, I'll talk, I will try to um, come back to you if you are able to come back for the next show to talk about your book, um, to talk more, to share. Yeah, to share more about the hawker food. Right. I'll, be, I'll be happy to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, it's a good story to tell the international listeners. Yeah, and okay, before uh, you log off, because I've almost got like 22 minutes from you, um, tell me, I'll tell us, so the, the young people are not coming onto the scene, right? And, and the Singapore NEA um, and uh, Madam uh, Amy Kaur, Dr. Amy Kaur, She's trying to promote the scheme through ITE um, to train, um, to have internship for the students uh, to learn the skill. Uh, there, there was a little bit of, um, uh, do you think we can improve upon that? Because I heard and I read about the article that you, you think it's not good enough uh, to pay it forward. What does it make to be good enough to pay it forward to these old folks who have built this culture for the Singapore a century? I think all efforts are good, even the government NEA's efforts are good, but, uh, but I think since the recognition worldwide, the UNESCO recognition is so uh, big, you know, it's so important. I think we should go beyond creating mm. little schemes and programs mm. to train people. What making it Singapore big. needs mm. what Singapore needs is a hawker food academy. Mm, wow. It's almost like the French it's not just yeah. there to train you how to do chicken rice, but to tell you the business mm. and the industry behind it, how to be a street food professional. Okay. How, how are you involved in that vision? Are you working towards that vision? Well, I recommended this to them many years ago. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's not oh, taken up, but I, I hope they will. Yeah, and, and you, we yeah. Need it. Imagine, imagine when another country does this, another country listens and says, hey, yeah. if Singapore doesn't want to do a World Street Food Academy, come to my country, we'll do it, we'll support you. It'll yeah. be shameful for us. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being so non-politically correct. I mean, I love that. And, and that's the beauty of being on a digital radio because this is digital. Especially if, especially if it was another country because, hey, this could bring us 
billions of dollars yeah. in investment and opportunities. Yeah. The Thai Singapore chicken rice, the soon Singapore chicken rice become it belongs to Thailand. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I, I exactly I know uh, what you do. So now, I, I think I hear from you, as you know, that we don't do enough to, to make it big, to bring it up, to make it like visible, to make it like sound important in the world. Like, hey, we have arrived um, and this is Singapore food. You all get to pay attention to our chili crab, our chicken rice, our satay and our um, uh, bak chow uh, mee and our mee pork and our mee pork uh, uh, chili sauce which I love a lot um, you know I think we have not have that like front and center am I right? yeah that's right yeah we have not we should institutionalize the culture not yeah. just the dishes yeah, you're right, you're right. And, I, and coming from a marketing person like me, I know exactly what you're talking about because we haven't given it the rightful branding and the rightful spirit of the brand and the rightful story behind the brand. And I think the story behind the brand of the Singapore, cult, uh, Singapore food culture is really compelling if you look at it. I mean, it's part of a nation building. It's the glue that glues the society. It's almost part of the yes. tapestry. So I think we haven't yes. got that pitch right. Am I right to say that, Ciro? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we, 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 there's, a lot, there's a lot that needs to be done. If yeah. We have to seriously yeah. give this the credence that it yeah. deserves yeah. and to stretch its longevity. Yeah. I, I think um, what you and I were really talking about is that if we could pull up our socks and say, hey, world, this is Singapore. This is what we mean business. This is the food and this is the story that represents us. This is our history. This is our community. And this is our nation building tapestry. And this is part of the whole society, that, the, the thing that glues the differences that brings in the harmony of that different color, different race, different language. We can sit down at the table and share the different kinds of food and give each other the pat on the back and, and buy from a Muslim, buy from an Indian. You know what I'm trying to say? And that's so beautiful. And I don't see that any part of the world. I mean, I've traveled around the world and you have rightly said it. We have not got it right in terms of the pitch to the world. And, and I think we need you, um, Sido, we need you to make this pitch strong. But I, w I would like to bring you um, to Anthony Bourdain. He was working um, very hard about this street food um, city in New York, you know, before his uh, un untimely um, passing. Um, what do you think about something like that that brings like Singapore to the forefront? Something of this nature. It would be a great idea. I mean, we bring it right there to New York. Mm. Uh, I mean, when something happens in New York, the whole world will know. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Are you working on a, a vision on this or something? Well, I hope so. I mean, there's always opportunities. Yeah. Uh, I hope to bring, hope to 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 shoot this uh, idea that's bouncing around to bring uh, Singapore UNESCO office to New York. Wow. So ladies, and, uh, so ladies and gentlemen, that's a shout out 
to Ciro, his work, and also to the Singapore food culture. But really, um, Ciro, you're really what we are really talking about is not just food, and, and this is not just like the hawker food. It's really about the spirit behind. It is people coming together when there was nothing. I mean, when our forefathers, like uh, Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, we had nothing. Um, it is these people at that generation, my dad, my grandfather, my grandmother at those times, that actually pulled together to do something to pull the poverty level up for the future generation. You know, and I would think that like like that is something so big, that is something so huge, and we don't see it in that light. Sido? Right, right. Um, yeah, it, it's bigger than we all are know it are known to be, and problem is you know people take it for granted. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah. I and uh, before I say goodbye to you because I agreed to have like thirty minutes from you, which I already have thirty one minutes from you. What would you like to say in the next thirty seconds to wrap up, and then I hope to invite you again to through your Makan Sutra, and then you can tell us. What does Makan Sutra represent? And tell us about your advocacy, etc. In our, in our future talks, tell us about the next thirty seconds. What would you like the world to know? Thirty seconds. Well, if you are looking to travel again after the after when borders we open and you're allowed to come to Singapore, first thing you gotta come and check out is our hawker food. Sure. Um, any of your Singapore friends will tell you, yeah, that's the first thing you gotta check out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you eat in Singapore, it is the best piece of um, of gastronomic souvenir you can yeah. ever bring from. Okay. Um, and that's the true sense of uh, Singapore. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, come to our website, makansutra.com. Makansutra.com. Show them the link and you'll yeah. see the host of things that we do. As a company, people wonder what the hell do you do, Sito? Besides talk about <laughs> we we do we, we we run food courts. I have a food court, uh, open air food yeah. market called the Glutton's Bay. Yeah. I have a food guide. We do the world the street food congress. In it's an event I created so that uh, the world will understand the people and the culture behind world. Food culture and we have food tours. Yeah. And if you are bought, uh, you know, um, we have all types of food tours. We have a we have an insomniac wow. tour. A lot. It's very good for people coming from 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 the from the uh, west. You yeah. can start your tour at 10 p.m. and end up at 3 to 4 a.m. and yeah. you will be totally satisfied and amazed at what Singapore can offer in those wee hours of the yeah. morning. Yeah. So when was the your last uh, hawker food dish? Was it like wonton oh, noodle just, or laksa? What did I just eat? Oh, I had uh, curry uh, chicken noodle. Oh wow! Oh wow! Really you know, I really, really miss uh, the hawker food. Me being semi lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to shout out to uh, our aunties and uncles, uh, the people behind um, all this food that they are trying to pull through in the middle of a pandemic in human history. Um, I really hope that they all pull through. Um, our spirit and our prayers are with them and with you, uh, 
uh, Siro. You know, you've done such a great service uh, to the community, and I've seen you on television these years as I grow up. <laughs> that kind of reveals your age, right? So, yeah, your age. <laughs> so, Siro, thank you so much. And, and I love, I would love you to come back, and I would love to thank share you. your book. And let's work on something to get this word out. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you listening out there uh, from Ukraine, from Australia, uh, Mexico, even New York, because one of my uh, callers was uh, New York, um, uh, Kevin Padello, uh, who who calls in on Monday um, from New York, um, and also um, the guests who call in from Georgia, Atlanta, from America, and also Malaysia. Um, you know, listeners who are listening in, and, and this is salute to Mr. KF Siro, the world-renowned food critic and food advocate for our hawkers here. Great job, Siro. You have been such an authentic person with your spirit, um, and I hope to, and I hope more people of good spirit, of good heart, could join you on this bandwagon to do more good as people reflect upon the pandemic, what should they do for the community? So I'm, I'm going to stay in touch with you, Sido. Thank you once again. And this is a love radio. Is there someone you would like to shout out to send your love to? Oh, <laughs> all of Singapore, I know I love you. For oh. you know, being so obedient and doing yeah. the pandemic, yeah, we follow the rules, and yeah. the numbers uh, government policy makers are listening in. Let's give out more support to our aunties and uncles whom I see on Facebook. Forlorn looks on their faces. My heart goes out to them. Um, the quietness of the, the Hawker Center, my heart goes out to them. People who are trying to bring bread um, to the table. Hats off to the aunties and uncles. Their salute to you the builders of the Singapore nation. Thank you, Sido. I'll talk to you again, Sido. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And that's Mr. K.F. Sido from Singapore. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for um, dialing in to stay with us uh, during these times. Uh, such a wonderful show that we have with uh, Mr. Sido uh, from Singapore and I would like you to take a break right now and listen in to Cindy Lauper while I come back to you. Suitcase of memories Time 
This is Vicky Astro. I am your radio DJ podcasting to you live from Singapore to Indo-Pacific, America, Mexico, North America, um, Australia, Malaysia, and this part of the world. Thank you to you for tuning in and thank you for writing in to me all the way from Ukraine. Um, you can find me here on IOW Network app at Apple or Android if you're listening in. Uh, from podcast talk about life uh, and if you are listening in on the radio you can go to podcast talk about life to find me and write to me talk about life 777 at gmail.com talk about life 777 at gmail talk about life and you heard from mr kf Ciro 
Um, he talked about the UNESCO inscription of the intangible assets of the Singapore food culture, the Singapore street food culture, which we call it the hawker food here. And I'm going to talk about the hawker food and what it means by being on the being inscribed on the UNESCO intangible assets um, a little bit a little bit later on. Um, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in and talking about. Um, uh, we were just talking about uh, the food culture in Singapore, the street food culture, and how it has built um, the Singapore, uh, the part of the nation building of Singapore. Uh, thank you once again. And I'm going to talk to you about the meaning of the UNESCO inscription of the Singapore hawker food in a little while. Now let's take a break.
Hello, hello, hello there. This is Vicky Astor, and thank you for tuning in. You've heard from Cito, uh, Mr. K. F. Cito, the world-renowned food critic, and also food street food advocate from Singapore, on the ranks of Anthony Bourdain and Martha Stewart. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. And I'm going to read you off the UNESCO website um, for intangible culture. So it says here. The Singapore hawker food is already required. So this is what they say at unesco.org. Hawker culture in Singapore, community dining and culinary practices in a multicultural urban context. Singapore inscribed in 2020, which is the year of the pandemic, of course. On the representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. Hawker culture in Singapore. Community dining and cultural practices in a multicultural urban context is present throughout Singapore. Hawkers present a variety of food, that is the hawker food, for people who dine and mingle at hawker centers. These centers serve as community dining rooms where people from diverse backgrounds gather and share the experience of dining over breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Activities such as chess playing, busking, art jamming also take place. Evolved from street food culture, hawker centers have become markets of Singapore as a multicultural city-state, comprising Chinese, Malay, Indian, and other cultures. Hawkers take inspiration from the confluence of these cultures, adapting dishes to local tastes and contexts. Today, hawker centers across Singapore continue serving the needs of diverse communities in residential, recreational, and work districts. Some of the oldest hawkers started their practice in the 1960s. Many specialize in a particular dish refined over many years and transmit their recipes, knowledge, and skills to younger family members or apprentices. Community organizations, non-governmental organizations, and educational institutions play a significant role in promoting and sustaining hawker culture through training programs, events, and documentation projects as a social space that embraces people from diverse socio-economic backgrounds hawker centers play a crucial role role in enhancing community interactions and strengthening the social fabric so there you have it ladies and gentlemen a write-up about the singapore hawker food at unesco um, website ich.unesco.org the hawker culture in Singapore is inscribed on the representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. And kudos to Mr. Cito, who has done a great uh, part in the push to recognize um, the hawker food culture and, of course, the people, the faces behind the food. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Cito, who has done a great job 
in representing these people without a face or without a voice. Thank you so much and a salute to you. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. I am Vicky Astor, broadcasting to you from Singapore into Pacific to America, Mexico, Canada, Australia, and to as far as Ukraine. Thank you for joining me. and gentlemen for joining me all this while you can find me at talkaboutlive777 at gmail.com 777 at gmail.com thank you for being with me for being so kind and I challenge you to give this uh, radio link um, and share with five different people every day for the week and Thank you, IOW Network, Jamil and the team for their wonderful work, for being with me here, for doing all this work for me here, and ladies and gentlemen, um, for, doing, for being here with me. Thank you so much. And let's uh, have the show tomorrow, um, and I'd like you to join me tomorrow again. Thank you, and let's have an upbeat song.
my favorite people on the show who's going to call in. And also, they're going to they're gonna dedicate their love here at Love Cafe Radio with me at Singapore, broadcasting to you live to Indo-Pacific, Mexico, and North America. And ladies and gentlemen, listeners, followers, and subscribers, you are listening to Vicky Esther and I'm from my first caller. And uh, I would like to welcome Miguel. It is our wake-up espresso time wherever you are in America. It is 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in America. Hello, Miguel. Hello, Miguel. How are you? No, me. How's everything there? Miguel, I just want to let you know I'm so thankful that you called because we are connected across the world through the technology. How wonderful. Yeah. You know, and I'm gonna tell yeah, and I'm gonna tell you and the listeners, um, it is uh, 7.02 p.m. Singapore time, so I'm really looking out. Just imagine this. I'm looking out through the window. It is dusk time, beautiful romantic time. The sun is setting, the sky is getting light blue, and the weather is warm. You can actually just wear your beach wear and go to the beach. So I'm so glad.